May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. <coughs> Greetings in this season of Epiphany, a season where we uh, celebrate the revelation of God to us in the world in Jesus Christ. The second Sunday in this season, last Sunday we celebrated the arrival of the wise ones to find the baby um, in Bethlehem. And uh, then on Monday, uh, people came and helped with the great tidy up of all of the Christmas decorations. So now you can see we're into uh, the rest of the new year. Today we have a gospel reading from the beginning of John's gospel. <coughs> And in this Gospel we have two of the things that happen at the beginning of every one of the four Gospels. We have John the Baptist recognising the presence of God in Jesus and the first of the disciples who choose to follow him. And so kind of tied up in this Gospel we have revelation to God, to, the, to all of us here on earth um, of God's presence in Jesus and the call to follow him. To, if you like, to be also revelations ourselves of the presence of God in the world. John does it differently. In the other three uh, Gospels, Jesus is baptised by John in the water and then goes off, on, off to the desert and then he goes out and calls his first disciples from the fishing boats, etc. In John's Gospel, it's done differently. John does a lot of things differently in his Gospel. And this Gospel has so many pieces in it that I could draw out and talk about. And as I read other people's reflections on this during the week, I found even more things that I might draw out and talk about. And when I stood here at 8 o'clock, I saw three very experienced priests sitting over there and I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> They'll be thinking about all the threads that could be drawn out of this gospel to talk about. But in the end, I decided, I decided before I saw them, that I was going to start from the point that captured my spirit. Every time I hear this gospel, this, it pings out to me. It's a kind of playful thing. And, and so I want to remind you of a game that you may have played as a child. We used to play it all the time in the school playground. It's called Creeping Up. Well, sometimes it has other names as well. But in this game, one person has their back to everyone else. And everybody, while they've got their back turned, creeps up. And when they turn, you freeze. And if you don't freeze quickly enough, they notice that you're moving and you go back to the beginning. And then they turn their back and people creep a bit further. And when they turn quickly back round, they, they see who's moving and who gets sent back to the back. But maybe someone reaches them before they turn and then they're in. You want to play that game? <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes when I talk about that game, people don't know. So I'm glad some people know it. It feels to me like that's what happens in this gospel reading. Two disciples of John hear him talking about Jesus. And so they follow Jesus. And Jesus turns around. And they kind of go. And he says to them, What are you looking for? And they go, ah, ah. Uh, Rabbi, where are you staying? <laughs> it does seem a little bit like that question comes out of nowhere. That's a bit of a weird question. 
Did they really follow him because they wanted to know where he was staying? And he says to them, come and see. He didn't so way of asking that question, which is what I think I'd ask. <laughs> what do you want to know for? Bust out. <laughs> I don't want to tell you where I live. He says, come and see. This is the Jesus who reveals God to us. An invitational God. A God who invites us to come and be with God in God's life. So of course that's my kind of playful initial kind of experience of that piece of the, the passage. But I think of course there's a much deeper place to go because where are you staying is where do you dwell? And so John is crafting the story to remind us right at the beginning that this is all about the God who indwells us. God who comes to be with us in our own skin, in our own context, in our own environment. And so as I thought about that, this is who Jesus is. Because the passage also asks that question, who is this Jesus? John says one thing, and then when the they follow him, he says, come and see. It reminded me of poem James K. Baxter, the Māori Jesus. Some of you who um, have walked around our waterfront a lot will have seen those big concrete plinths with pieces of poetry on them. I think it's called the Literary Walk, and there's, I think, 11 of them or something around the harbour. And the beginning of this poem is on one of those plinths. And it actually sort of almost floats on the water. It's round me, it's your papa. And I thought I'd give it to you. I saw the Māori Jesus walking on Wellington Harbour. He wore blue dungarees. His beard and hair was long. His breath smelled of mussels and parawa. He, when he smiled, it looked like the dawn. When he broke wind, the little fishes trembled. When he frowned, the ground shook. When he laughed, everyone got drunk. The Māori Jesus came on shore and picked out his twelve disciples. One cleaned toilets in the railway station. His hands were scrubbed red to get the shit out of the pores. One was a call girl who turned it up for nothing. One was a housewife wife who had forgotten the pill and stuck her TV set in the rubbish can. One was a little office clerk who tried to set fire to the government buildings. Yes, and there were several others. One was a sad old queen. One was an alcoholic priest going slowly mad in a respectable parish. The Māori Jesus said, Man, from now on the sun will shine. He did no miracles. He played the guitar sitting on the ground. The first day he was arrested for having no lawful means of support. The second day he was beaten up by the cops for telling one his house was not in order. The third day he was charged with being a Māori and given a month in Mount Crawford jail. The fourth day he was sent to Porirua for telling a screw the sun would stop rising. The fifth day lasted seven years while he worked in the asylum laundry, never out of the steam. 
The sixth day, he told the head doctor, I am the light in the void. I am who I am. The seventh day, he was lobotomized. The brain of God was cut in half. On the eighth day, the sun did not rise. It did not rise the day after. God was neither alive nor dead. The darkness of the void. Mountainous, mile deep, civilised darkness. That's the end of the poem. I thought of this poem and I read it and I wondered, will I read all of it or will I read some of it? Because the beginning is full of kind of wondering and hope. A kind of imagination of how things could be in our context, in our city. But as the poem goes on, it gets darker and darker until it reaches mountainous, mile-deep darkness. What James K. Baxter calls civilised darkness. And I thought, there's not a lot of hope in that. I don't know if I want to talk about that. But I certainly don't want to spend my sermon um, looking at the poem and pulling it apart. <laughs> and yet, there was something in that poem that reminded me again of this passage from today's Gospel. <coughs> and Jesus, who John calls the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. That's the English translation. <laughs> The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But another translation is who bears the sins of the world. This Jesus comes to us to show us God. And he also comes to bear what it means to be human on this earth. To carry that. To live it. To be present to it, not just as a spectator, but as one who is a participant. And not just in those years that he walked this earth, but in all that he is, has been, and will be. He is present to the darkness of our world, to the despair, to the lack of hope, to that sense of being overwhelmed and overpowered. He bears that too as well as our joys, and our wonders, and our delights. He came to show us God, that God dwells with us. Even in those places where people's lives have been lobotomized, cut in half, neither alive nor dead. And at the end of John's story, he gives us those signs of hope. He reminds us that in bearing that life, Jesus also brings us to new places of resurrection. Where, because he's been willing to go into the darkness of the void, the mountainous, <coughs> mildly civilised darkness of our world, he's able to bring us with him into the place where the sun will shine again. 
John says, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this gospel, John tells us of those frightened disciples gathered in an upstairs room with the door locked to whom Jesus appears and breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. As I have been sent, so I now send you. As he reveals God to us, the God who offers us relationship, which will bring life to us and to our world. So he invites us to come and see him, to be with him, and to invite others to be with him. In living out that relationship with God and with one another. He invites us to be signs of the presence of God. To belong to this life of God. And this belonging is not just a static thing where, oh, I belong now. This is a dynamic thing which requires us to choose again and again to step into life, to face into that civilised darkness and choose to bring people to a new place, to allow ourselves to be brought to a new place, <coughs> that we might have life and have it in abundance. We are called to be part of the bearing of the sins of the world, to enter into the struggle, to enter into the weight of it, and to allow the creativity of God to move within us and between us, disempowering the sin of the world, shifting those things which destroy life and relationships, inviting people to belong to this life which is God. And as Kenzie read in our epistle, this one will strengthen us to the end. We are called into this fellowship through Jesus Christ. So, we are invited to embrace this Jesus. To be not only receivers of the revelation that comes at this time of Epiphany, of who Jesus is and how he shows us God, but to choose to allow this God to dwell with us, to be those places where Jesus is, where Jesus stays, where Jesus lives, and to recognise where he lives in others. And he calls us, come and see.